Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards with Impact Cyber Church. I want to welcome you to February 2019. Man, who would have believed we are right here in 2019? But we are. And I'll tell you what, I'm sharing some great things with you starting uh, last month, and we're actually taking it into this month because one of the things I want you to realize about success, you know, we, and by the way, we are talking about success because we're talking about making resolutions that last, that really work, that you can see through to the end, and that is a success. And the reason people make resolutions is because they want a better quality of life in some area than they've previously had. Maybe it's, it could be finances, it could be health, it could be relationship, it could be personal time management. Uh, it doesn't really matter where it is. A success is when you set a goal and, and you keep it. That's one aspect of, of success. So in February, we're, because February is all about relationships, you know, we, got, we have Valentine's in February. And so I want to talk about success as it relates to your relationships. And I want you to understand how that uh, you, can, you can develop your relationships, manage your relationship in a way that contributes to your overall success, or you can do what a lot of foolish people do, and that is destroy the most important thing in your life, that's your, that's your personal intimate relationships. So today we're gonna be talking about what I have, a principle that I have taught for years and years and years, and, and, and honestly have seen so many people find New levels of peace, new levels of happiness. Not you know, not just new levels of, of financial success, but new levels of, of personal life success. And <clears throat> it's, it's what I call holistic success. Now, the way we have been taught success, or even taught about walking with God and living by priority, is uh, is by establishing what I call vertical priorities. You know, vertical priorities, okay, we've got to have God first, and then, okay, then we've got to have family second, and then, you know, maybe if you're called to the ministry, you know, ministry, whatever, but basically you come down, you got your job, you got your health, and you got all these kinds of things. Well, really, vertical priorities in real life are pretty much impossible to live by because Everything that you do affects everything else that you do, whether you want it to or not, whether you intend for it to or not, and whether you realize it or not. And so I have seen believers be incredibly tormented by attempting to live in vertical priority. Now, I always think back to someone who, who was on my staff years ago, probably you know, 30 years or more ago, or about, about 30 years ago, I guess. And, um, and this person was always struggling because, because, you know, they would be putting all their attention on, on God and, and, their, and their ministry, 
And then at some point they would realize they're neglecting their family. So then they jump off of that and they get down here and start trying to make amends and work things out with their family and heal the wounds that they've been creating in their family. But the problem is now they begin to feel guilty because they feel like they're abandoning their, uh, what they're supposed to be doing with God. And you know, same way with, say, a, a new mother, for example. A new mother has a child, man. Uh, you know, she's exhausted from blood loss through childbirth. Uh, she's up all night long taking care of a baby. She's getting up every day. She doesn't have the energy to have a prayer life of any great degree or the way religious people would have described the need for a prayer life. So, you know, she's up here. She's trying to take care of this child because that's, that's her number one demand on her life right now. But now she's feeling guilty because she's taking care of a child, but she doesn't feel like she's taking care of her, her connection with God. And it's amazing how people through this really incredibly unhealthy way of establishing priorities or, or establishing our levels of success. How many people feel guilty and struggle because they're always jumping from one priority to another priority, but to do so means that they have to neglect uh, Whatever, the, whatever priority they just left. So it's like I'm either, I'm either putting God first or I'm putting my family first. I'm putting my family first or I'm putting my job first. I'm putting my job first. And, it, and, it, and it's just a nightmare to try to emotionally juggle that kind of thinking. Well, you know, years ago, one of the things I began to understand is that, is that God is interested in our quality of life. And there is no... One thing outside of our relationship with God, there is no one thing that uh, we can focus on uh, that brings quality to every aspect of our life when we're approaching it from this thing of vertical priorities. So <clears throat> I began to look at the concept that uh, instead of having vertical priorities, what if we had horizontal priorities? And with horizontal priorities, instead of God being up here at the top of the list and, and you know, when we're tr attempting to connect to and make God first, you know, we're leaving everything else undone. Instead of doing that, what if we, on a horizontal plane, what if we put God in the center and so that, so that when, we, when we're doing whatever we're doing in our involvement with God, it is, in fact, contributing to the quality of all of these other things that we value. So um, through this concept, through thinking this concept through and, and establishing it as a way of life and something I could share with people, something I could apply to my own life, share with people, uh, I found this way to have stress-free uh, priorities because what I realized is this, is that everything that I give myself to needs to contribute to the quality of everything else that I value. Let me say that again. Everything that I give myself to, give my time to, give my attention to, should in fact contribute to the quality of everything else that I value. And what I came to realize was if I'm, if I'm approaching something that I say I value, in a way that is taking away from something else that I value, then there's something I don't have right in my understanding. There's something I'm not applying properly with, you know, with wisdom. Because again, if, you know, it, my relationship with God should make me more successful uh, as, a, as a husband, as a father, 
as a businessman, as a friend. In other words, all of these other things in my life that are important to me, then, then con being connected with God doesn't make me abandon my responsibilities uh, to my family, for example. You know, having a residential Bible college for uh, about 30 years, it was, and a fellowship of ministers that had several hundred ministers inv actively involved, one of the things that I found very, very interesting was, was the fact that uh, I would see people in the name of God, so to speak, giving their attention to their calling. And, you know, I've got to give myself to my calling. And, uh, and I would notice that they, they wouldn't be making a living, a proper living for their, to support their wives and children because they were, you know, they were pursuing God. And, uh, you know, you would watch this stuff over the years and having done this stuff for a lot of years, you would watch and it wouldn't be long until, you know, that would be the wife that started hating the ministry. That would be the kids that would end up rebelling because to them, you know, their, their father following God caused them to be hungry, to not have decent clothes to wear, and to not be able to enjoy a quality of life. And so, you know, what, what I saw and what that validated to me was the very thing that I talked about. You know, I can't pursue one priority in my life if it violates uh, the a scriptural mandate to walk in love in another area of my life. For example, I'm just, you know, the Bible says that, um, uh, for example, you know, you know we want to follow the Lord. We want to walk with God. We want to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all of our mind. But remember, God, uh, Jesus qualified that. And he said, but now the second is like the first. You got to love your neighbors yourself. So I realize that if, if my interpretation or application of loving God uh, causes me to be self-righteous, condescending, or neglectful, or whatever, of my spouse, of my children, or of my neighbor, then I realize I am not really obeying that ultimate commandment of walking in love toward God, because you can't walk in love toward God, and at the same time, be unloving to the people around you. Walking in love toward God always ends up contributing to being more loving to the people around you. So, so, uh, I, I would try to teach our, our school of ministry students and our fellowship of ministers. I try to teach them to understand that, that uh, uh, you know, and for example, until your ministry, number one, requires that you be full-time, you don't need to be full-time. Number two, until your ministry generates the income for you to be full-time, then obviously you want to be in the ministry more than the people that you're attempting to serve. If the people that you're attempting to serve are not being generous and, and, and making sure that you are able to be in the ministry, then they don't really want what you're offering, but you're going to pretend like they want it because that's going to meet your needs and you're going to neglect your family, maybe not pay your bills, put your children through hardship, all kinds of things like that. And you're going to call it a success. But are you going to call it a success when it ends in, your, in a divorce, when it ends in your children hating God, when it ends in you living together in a bitter, bitter uh, marriage and bitter relationship? No, we want to learn how to put God at the center of our life and approach our relationship with God, the fulfillment of our ministry, the fulfillment of all these things, in such a way that it makes us better 
uh, husbands and wives, that it makes us better mothers and fathers, that it makes us better business people, that it makes us better at earning a living. That's what we call holistic success. Now, the interesting thing about holistic success is as the years went by, as, as I began to study the Hebrew language more, I began to understand that the word shalom, the word that we pretty much reference as peace, really has as much to do with healing. It has much, as much to do with wealth and success as it does with having peace. It's all about having this quality of life. And so I, I began to understand that the God of peace, part of, his, part of the way that the God of peace brings emotional tranquility to our lives is by leading us to connect to his strength, his power, all of his resources for our life, for our ministry, for our family, and you know, for all the things that we, that we value. So, so all February, we're going to be talking about this holistic success, how this contributes to your relationship, your marriage, your children, all these other aspects of your life. Now, I just want, I want to say, by the way, that when you begin to talk about success, because success gets into the concepts of prosperity, then you, you enter a realm that most people have, uh, have made up their mind what they believe about those topics, totally independent of the Word of God. As you know, and I've acknowledged this many times, in the 80s and in the 90s, and it may have gone on somewhat beyond that, there was within uh, pretty much people that identified with the faith movement, there was this, there was this movement uh, toward prosperity and toward wealth. Now, prosperity and wealth, like it or not, believe it or not, agree with it, disagree with it or not, is not only in the Bible, but it is something that God actually offers us, and it is part of what we have as our inheritance in Jesus. But I do also understand that some of the greatest warnings in the Bible are against greed, they're against selfishness. They are, they are against covetousness. Uh, they are against lust and envy because lust and envy uh, get into the whole greed issue, the, 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 the need for, for self-gratification. Uh, so you've got some of the strongest warnings juxtaposed against some of the strongest promises in the Bible. And most people choose one or the other. Now, sadly, because of the erroneous a greed-driven teaching of many of the quote-quote prosperity teachers, uh, it became impossible for a biblically-based Christian to accept what they were preaching. Therefore, instead of rejecting what they were preaching, people tended to reject the whole idea of, of prosperity ever, ever, ever being a good thing. But, you know, let's read the scripture in Deuteronomy 8. It's really interesting. And, and the Lord is talking to the children of Israel about coming into the land. And, and, and I'm, kind of, I'm kind of expanding the whole scope going to verses that I've come before this as well as this verse. But, you know, you know God tells them, he says, look, you're gonna, I'm going to bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to bring you into a place that uh, you're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to eat from vineyards you didn't plant. And... Uh, 
And he says, you know, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to give you victory over the enemies, over those that, that uh, uh, right now would resist you and would destroy you as a nation. But in Deuteronomy 8, 18, he says, and you shall remember the Lord. In other words, when you come into this good land, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. You can't get any plainer than that. God gives the power to get wealth. But that word wealth there comes from the word shalom. So it's not talking about one dimensional wealth. It's not just talking about money. It's talking about this realm that, that involves everything you value in life. This realm where you come into emotional tranquility, where you come into having enough to be generous to other people, but it also is talking about health and healing. All of these benefits and all of these provisions that God has for us in Jesus are involved in the concept of the word wealth or the word shalom. And, and in the Greek word in the New Testament for peace, it, it, it mirrors the same idea as the word wealth does in the Old Testament. So what you, what you start realizing, God does give us the power to get wealth. But let's bring this into context, by the way, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So God wants to establish the covenant in our life. And this thing called shalom, this thing called wealth, health, uh, provision, uh, all of these things are involved in God establishing the covenant in our life. Now, in the New Covenant, the New Testament, we call that the kingdom of God. We call that entering into this realm called the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to understand something. When man came out of the garden and he began to create his own prosperity and plan, and God was still in favor of his prosperity. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You know, God's commission when man came out of the garden of Eden or was put out of the garden of Eden was to go out into the earth and to prosper and to multiply. And we talked at length about what those words prosper and multiply means. And, and to some extent, it has to do with being great and succeeding. It has to do with going out there and finding uh, what, what speaks to you from your own heart, what draws you and compels you, and to become successful at it. So God, even after man sinned, God still wanted us to prosper because I got news for you. The greatest lie of the Luciferian movement, which started with Satan and, and, and the serpent and the Garden of Eden, and it continues to this day, is that God wants you to suffer. If you believe that God wants you to suffer, you can never love him the way the Bible teaches you to love him. You can never trust him the way the Bible teaches you to trust him. If you believe he's the source of pain, and like we've talked about before, if you believe God is in total control over everything that happens, there is no way that you can see him as a just God. And in fact, in Satanism, 
They are taught that the creator God is wicked and the proof that he is wicked is all, all the bad things that happen in planet earth because if he is God and he is in control, then uh, uh, evidently he is not a God of love or he would not let these things happen. Listen, I have heard that argument from hundreds of people that I've ministered to over the years. And the key thing is this, God's not in control. God gave authority of planet earth to man we are in control. And we make the earth as we have learned over the last couple of weeks. And man, if you have not listened to January, you need to go back and listen to it. Understand the authority of, of man in planet earth. And you need to understand our role as co-creators, making the world become what we, what we believe it should be or what we want it to be. And we'll either make it become uh, what God is trying to show us or we will make it become what our greed and what our lust tries to make it become. But I'm just telling you the whole concept of God uh, testing, trying, hurting, killing, doing all these bad things to people, uh, not only is it not biblical, it is Luciferian, it is of the devil, and it is designed to make it where it is impossible for you to trust God. But even from the time man came out of the garden, God wanted him to prosper and he wanted him to multiply. Now, I want to tell you something. You can prosper by the sweat of your brow. And if you prosper by the sweat of your brow, I can assure you of this. You will not be able to live in holistic success. You will not be able to preserve all of these things that you say that you that you value uh, because uh, by the sweat of your brow puts you in that situation where you're throwing all of your strength into trying to, uh, uh, you know, trying to reach the goal of success that, that you want to reach. Now, there's another way, though. You can prosper by the blessings of the Lord or by in the new covenant, what we would call um, uh the, the grace of God and grace is God's ability, God's strength. And that's where I want to take you to. But to take you to this place, there is a decision and a commitment that you have to make. Number one, you got to believe the truth about God, that he's a good God and that God has the desire and a plan for you to live a great quality of life. You know, the Zoe life. Uh, that's the Greek word for, for eternal life. Uh, and that's the life that we have in Jesus. That word itself is about quality of life. It's not about length of life because when, when we leave this realm, there is no time. There is no length. There is no, there is no tomorrow in eternity. There is only right now. There is only the present tense. And, and Zoe, the life of God, is all about the quality of life possessed by the one who gives it. Now listen to this. The Bible says this. The Bible. It says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So you see, when I prosper by the blessing of God, when I prosper by the grace of God, when I prosper by walking with God, trusting and applying his truth and uh, keep, and also I'll show you in just a moment here, keeping my priorities, then there will be no sorrow with this prosperity. How many times have I heard men or women, particularly men, talk about how that they're, they're gone all the time and they're doing all this work for their family and they lose their family in the process. Well, evidently they weren't doing it for their family. They were doing it for themselves, for their ego. And yeah, they might've convince themselves this is meeting some needs in their family, but uh, 
if you, if you let your work, your success, destroy your family, then you're not doing it for your family. Proverbs 3.16, and talking about wisdom, it says, length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are uh, ways of pleasantness. I like that. But listen to this. All of her paths are paths of peace. There is that word, shalom, tranquility, prosperity, health, healing, wholeness, and completeness. She is a tree of life for those who take hold of her, and happy are all they who retain her. And then it goes on to say of riches in verse 18 of Proverbs 8, riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. But you, you notice that righteousness is with wisdom. So I've got to decide, number one, do I believe the truth that God wants me to prosper, uh, to, that He wants me to be in good health, that He wants me to be fruitful and multiply, and that He has given me the capacity to get wealth, the capacity that if I'll trust Him and walk His path, that I can do this and not destroy it everything else that I value. Well, I'll tell you something. Here we are in the month of February, and like I say, February is all about relationships. So I'm, I'm gonna encourage you. You want to discover how to be able to do, uh, how to make this journey, and not only not destroy your family, but endear your family to you, endear your children and your spouse to you, and, and, and create a more peaceful life, not a more stressful life. You know, um, uh, ancient sages, because they saw that wealth and health come from the exact same word. The ancient sages always said, uh, pray for health, not for, don't pray for wealth. Because if you're healthy, you can prosper. But if you, just because you prosper, doesn't mean you've preserved your health. Listen, I'll tell you something. It's, it's a new year here at Impact Ministries, and I'm telling you, we are expanding our outreach to to go farther into the world, to reach more people, to help more people than we ever, ever have before. And I want to give you an opportunity to be a part of it. I want to invite you to be a world changer, someone who financially helps us as we go out into the world, as we send these videos and these programs, all these things out for free that we have. I mean, you know, I've been told that we have more free content online than almost any ministry that people have, have checked out, the ones that have contacted me. And, uh, and we do, we put tons of free material out there. Do we have things that we charge for? Yes, we do. For people who want to go farther, who want to get into discipleship and mentoring programs. We have all kinds of mentoring programs, all kinds of life development programs. But we are getting the gospel out to the ends of the earth through the generosity of our world changers. People who have had their lives transformed. They say, you know something? I want to change the way the world sees God. I also want you to know that... Anytime you purchase material from this ministry, that 85 cents out of every dollar goes into ministry, goes into outreach, goes into touching the world, goes into paying people to do the things that it takes to, to reach out to, the, to their. So consider becoming a world changer with us. And every time you purchase uh, some material from us, remind yourself that as a disciple, you are investing in yourself and you are investing in our ability to reach the ends of the earth. So <clears throat> at the end of this program, I want you to take just a few minutes. I want you to like, I want you to like this. If you're on YouTube, like this. And if you, if you want to receive my messages, I want you to be sure and subscribe. And when you subscribe or like this, you actually help us uh, get this message out to more people. So just in closing, let me go back to this. So if you want to make this journey 
of holistic success, you've got to make some decisions. Number one, do I believe that God, it is his desire for me to uh, prosper, to be healthy, to, be, to multiply, for me to succeed? Do I believe that he really will give me the capacity to get wealth? And do I believe that wealth includes uh, uh, finances, health, happiness, wholeness, completeness. Do I believe that? And number four, am I committed to preserving my family, preserving my relationship with my spouse and my children and my friends and my relationship with God? Am I going to preserve these things as I walk this path of wisdom? Because in this path of wisdom, there's always righteousness. In this path of wisdom, there's always life. And if I leave the path of wisdom, which is the practical application of God's word, then I will end up somewhere that I don't want to end up. I will end up losing all of these other things that I value. Next week, I'm going to be talking to you about uh, your personal advisor and the importance of how, to of how to connect to your personal advisor. And you're going to be amazed at who the Bible says your personal advisor is. So I'll be talking to you again next week. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.